Welcome to Mind, Body, Health, and Politics. I'm your host, Dr. Richard Miller. The mission of Mind, Body, Health, and Politics is to expand consciousness, stimulate thought, enhance your health, and encourage community. Today, stay tuned, please, for an interview with Dr. Dave Nickel on his most recent book, Subtle Activism. What is subtle activism? The inner dimension of social and planetary transformation. Stay tuned for this interview. I believe you're going to enjoy it. But first, some news and notes in psychology and medicine, as well as some personal notes. Personal notes first. I had the rare experience this past week of having triplets for guests in our home. My wife, Jolie, and I hosted four cousins, three of whom are 10-year-old triplets. Triplets are rare, one in 67 births approximately. How many of you listening have ever had the occasion to spend time with triplets, three people who were born the same time? Not necessarily from one egg. There is such a thing. As identical triplets, they're even rarer. That is when an egg breaks in half and then one of the halves breaks in half again. Sometimes what happens is you have identical twins and a third person, and that's triplets. Most often what we have are three separate eggs and three separate sperm, so you have three born at the same time, they were in their mom's bellies for the entire nine months together. But when they come out, they're really genetically as different as three people who were born three or four or five, six years apart. However, they do share that very important time of nine months living together in the womb. And as some of you know, there are even photographs of little embryos in the room looking like they're attempting to reach out and touch one another. These three triplets, Morgan, Nikki, and Casey, were a delight to be with and to live with. One of the things I found interesting was how they always look over their shoulders at Fort one another when we're out on the trail bike riding or swimming or doing kayaking, various activities we did together, they look out for one another, which looked to me like in a special way. Of course, I could have been reading that in, just a small experiment here. The thing that I took away from the most, however, with my week with the triplets, is what a colossal amount of work it is for mom. Taking three all the time, taking care of three, watching out for three, feeding three, getting three to bed, educating three, doing everything you can, and you've got three all the time. My word. Cousin Sherry, my tip of the hat to you. My heart goes out to you. You're doing a fantastic job, and it is a big job. I can't say to those of you who, if you're thinking about having triplets, here's a book to read. I mean, I could say it, and there are books to read. But nobody plans to have triplets. This is something that happens by what you might say is divine intervention. 
So, on to other topics. I have a book coming out. It's called Psychedelic Medicine. It's based on my interviews with the leading scientists in the United States, if not the world, on research on psychedelic medicines, LSD, MDMA, ayahuasca, psilocybin. All of these now have solid research behind them, and we cover the research in the book, Psychedelic Medicine. Take a look at it on Amazon.com. As you've heard on this program over the years, there is an opioid epidemic going on in the United States. This was an inadvertent happening. Some people believe that the pharmaceutical companies, noting what a huge business the illegal drug cartels were doing around the world in heroin, the pharmaceutical companies said, hey, how do we get a hunk of that market share? And so, many years ago, they developed opioids, hydrocodone, oxycontin, Percocet, and the like. They wanted a hunk of the action of the business. Why should those cartels make all the money on the illegal stuff? Maybe we can make some of that money, in fact we will, with legal stuff. So, opioids. Then, they got the federal government involved about 20 or 30 years ago, and the federal government sent a directive to all doctors in the United States saying, pain isn't good for your patients, get them out of pain. And so doctors, general practitioners around the country, started prescribing opioids. Fast forward 20, 30 years later, and we have untold numbers of people hooked on opioids. Here in Mendocino County, I'm pleased to say, we now have an opioid coalition. You can go to www.saferxmendocino.com. That's www.saferxmendocino.com, and you can get information on Mendocino's Opioid Coalition. If you live in other places, I'm sure you can do the same for your locale. Bottom line, we've got more people being affected by chronic pain than anything else in the United States by far. For example, 16.3 million people have coronary artery disease. 28 million have, 25 million, excuse me, have diabetes. 11.9 million cancer. 7 million stroke. 100 million are suffering from chronic pain. One out of every three people in the United States suffers from chronic pain, and that makes them subject to the possibility of being addicted to opioids. So be careful. If you take an opioid for more than one month, there is a huge increased risk. You may stay on opioids for the rest of your life. Yes. Mendocino County has two deaths. Two. Little tiny county. Mendocino County. Mike, what do we have here? 80, 70, 80,000 people in the county, right? 70, 80,000 people. We've got two deaths every month from an overdose, overdose, beg your pardon, an overdose of opioids. That's a lot. That's a lot. Furthermore, research shows that after only two months, opioids usually stop working and can cause you to feel even more pain. Folks, take heed. This is, um, this is very serious business. 
This is not the government kidding around and telling you something's dangerous when it's not because they don't want you to have a bunch of fun. This isn't a bunch of fun. Side effects of opioids include fatigue, depression, anxiety, constipation, inability to sleep, irregular heartbeat, breathing problems, loss of strength, decreased sex drive, infertility. I mean, it goes on and on. These are dangerous drugs. Enough said for now. If you have questions about it, call in at another time. Disclaimer. What you hear on this program are the opinions of our guests. It will be Dr. Dave Nickel coming up with his book, Subtle Activism. It might be the opinion of my trusted engineer and dear friend Michael Delora sitting next to me. It might be mine, but the opinions here are not the opinions of the station or anybody involved with the station. Important for you to know that. Now, some of the news and notes that we have. Essential data-derived advice for leading a happy, healthy life, shared by researcher and psychiatrist Dr. Robert Waldinger. Have you ever wished you could fast-forward your life so you could see if the decisions you're making will lead to satisfaction and health in the future? Well, in the world of research, the closest you can get to that is by looking at the Harvard study of adult development. They tracked 724 men for 78 years, one of the longest studies of adult life ever done. They followed this group every two years about their physical and mental health, their professional lives, their friendships, their marriages. Think of it, folks. 78 years they followed these men, and every two years they're asking them all these nosy questions. They also subjected them to in-person interviews, medical exams, blood tests, and brain scans. We now have a front seat, a front row seat on these men's lives. They have been tracked for 78 years. What do we know? Here's the big headlines of what we know. Good relationships keep us happier and healthier, and loneliness kills. That's pretty serious stuff. Good relationships keep us happier and healthier, and loneliness kills. A happy childhood has a very long-lasting effect. Having warm relationships with parents in childhood was a good predictor You'll have warmer and more secure relationships with those closest to you when you're an adult. But people with difficult childhoods can make up with for that in middle life, but it's going to take work, but it can be done. Learning, this is number three headline, learning how to cope well with stress has a lifelong payoff because we all have stress. What are the good things to do about stress? One thing it's called sublimation. For example, you feel unfairly treated by your employer, so you start an organization that helps protect workers' rights. Altruism. You struggle with an addiction to help and to help, st- help other people, you become a sponsor for addicts. So, sublimating, putting the energy of your stress somewhere else, helping others. Suppression. This is like compartmentalization. You're worried about job cuts at your company, but you put the worries out of your mind until you can do something about it. Compartmentalization is very important. We should talk about it more on our program. Bad strategies for dealing with stress include denial, acting out, or projection. But the number one, of course, folks, 
is relationships. I've got a lot more on news and notes, but we've got Dave Nickel waiting in the wings. Let's just have a look if there's one last little fun thing I can read to you. Well, this one isn't so much fun, but I find it interesting. A recent study in the archives of sexual behavior found that overall, adults report having sex 15% less than we were 20 years ago. Folks, what's going on? I mean, isn't sex fun and enjoyable? Isn't it one of those things that somehow we got given from out of nowhere and it's just nothing short of wonderful? Why are we going from a little over once a week to once a week on the average? That doesn't sound like 15% drop in our sexual activity over 20 years. Is that because there's more stress? Is it because of the socioeconomic? might tie in with the socioeconomic turndown and the stratification where those at the top are sucking up all the money. It could well be. But I say, let's do something about it. Get out there, folks, and make love more and have a good time. That's going to reduce your stress. Well, maybe we can tie in this decrease in sexual activity and what we can do about it to Dave Nichols' book, Subtle Activism. Because subtle activism... Well, I'm not going to steal his thunder. Let me just introduce Dave Nickel. He teaches in the Philosophy, Cosmology, and Consciousness program at the California Institute of Integral Studies in San Francisco. He's also an executive director and co-founder of the Gaia Field Project. I'm looking forward to hearing about the Gaia Field. You know what Gaia is. That's, that's the Earth. Welcome to Mind, Body, Health, and Politics, Dave Nickel. Thank you, Richard. Good morning. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you. You know, before we start the interview, I got an email from you, Dave, and I hear you're dealing with something pretty serious up there in Ashland that held you up there and while you're not here in the studio. Is that something we want to even mention at all before the interview, or would you prefer not? Um, I can mention it. Um, it's, uh, it was a shocking event in my circle. A, a close friend of mine took his life, and we just found out about it on the weekend. So, um, you know, this is a very intense time, it seems, for everyone, and that's how it was, you know, one of the ways of playing out in my circle. So um, uh, it's been a difficult weekend in that way, but... Um, you know, this is this is what has happened. Yes, yes. Are there other friends uh, of the deceased uh, up there with you? Uh, y- yes, and we've been organizing conference calls for his wider circle of friends. Um, and uh, you know, he was he was a, a fellow traveler on the spiritual path. So you know, there was uh, that dimension as well that uh, was um, in the mix in terms of understanding what happened, but. Um, it was a sad event, but also, you know, just brought us closer in many ways as well. Yes. How old was he, Dave? He was 48 years old. Oh, um, uh-huh. A year older than me, yeah. Um, children? So he didn't have children. He was very bright, bright spark. He was Ph.D. Uh, from California Institute of Integral Studies, and he was a, a deep seeker and healer um, um, and on a conscious path, but uh, he, you know, experienced something that was too hard for him to handle. So. Mm-hmm. What method did he use of suicide? He uh, shot himself, which oh. was, yeah, which was quite, sh- quite shocking. Quite shocking. Mm-hmm. Well, our hearts go out to you and to everybody you. up there. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, 
please tell us because it's connected. I'm going to connect it to both the uh, the, the suicide and what I was talking about before uh, introducing you. Uh, let's jump right in. Tell us what so- subtle activism means, and then we're going to discuss your book. Thank you. So, yeah, subtle activism, it's the path that has emerged for me uh, quite organically over many years of searching for a way to bring together the path of consciousness, of healing, of self-transformation that has been a very meaningful part of my life, and uh, the whole realm of political transformation. And uh, so it's it's a way to link inner and outer transformation, a bridge between those worlds. Uh, Specifically, it's about the use of consciousness-based practices like meditation, prayer, and ritual for the purpose of facilitating collective change. Uh, We normally think of those practices as a support for personal growth, personal transformation, but I'm fascinated by the uh, real potential of that work to support uh, change in our greater world, and especially with the technologies that we have available today with you know, the internet and the capacity to reach many thousands of people around the planet uh, for synchronized meditations, synchronized rituals, and this sort of thing, that there's a new capacity coming online uh, that can support you know, more powerful uh, shifts in consciousness and the collective that can be uh, you know, a crucial element of a more holistic approach to social change. Let me see uh, if I understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. You're, you're talking about using methods that are typically used for looking at oneself or for inner change, such as meditation, and you're talking about taking those techniques for inner change and having them affect something in the outside world. Is that correct? Yes, that's it. That's the essence of it. Could you give us an example mm-hmm. of how of, of this in practice? Like what do people do or what do you mm-hmm. do uh, in order to take something that's considered primarily inner and make it outer? Yes. Uh, well, one example, last year uh, or two years ago now, I think it was, when when there was the Paris Climate Change Conference negotiations taking place, uh, we organized a large global meditation in the middle of that conference, Um, and there's a website called The Amplifield, which... um, Say it again, please. It's called The Amplifield, Amplifield, spell it, A-M-P-L-I-F-I-E-L-D, Amplifield, yeah, Amplifield.com, yes, it provides this um, sort of Google Earth map so that all the participants of the meditation could see each other as points of light on the map which showed their location. So it creates this visual representation of this global field. And we had thousands of people all around the world tuning into this meditation, which was to specifically to create this collective field um, that was intended to support the highest and best outcome emerging from those negotiations. So, you know, in, in many ways, it's a fairly simple uh, idea in a sense. It's, it's 
what we do with our intention and our focus when we're doing those practices. Um, and I have a particular interest in the, the special power of when you have group meditations uh, that they have the capacity to amplify the power of our you know, focused intentions and prayers um, and, and then bringing in the specific intention of um, that, the, the effect of that practice being to support some change in the collective. And are you able to, in any way, at this early stage of what you're doing, uh, measure the results, or have there been studies? I think you've mentioned in your book yeah. that there already... Ha- could uh, Tell us about the studies that have been done to measure the effects yeah. of people. Again, I'm saying this carefully because I want our, our listeners to understand that Dr. Nickel is talking about doing something within each of us at the exact same time others are doing a similar something within each of them and that collective force of inner work having an outside effect. Mm -hmm. Tell us about some research, please. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I... You know, a whole chapter of my book is devoted to what we know uh, in terms of empirical evidence about this sort of phenomenon. Um, I'll, I'll just say up front, we, I never present this as the, the magic cure, the only thing that one needs to do in order to affect change in the collective. It, it's, it's, um, I do believe it has a, a crucial role to play as initiating change at a very deep level. And then, of course, there's all sorts of pragmatic actions that need to follow to implement um, those changes. But um, in terms of research, um, the most relevant series of studies that have been done about this is um, known as the Maharishi Effect research done by scientists connected with the TM movement. And what that's about is um, in the late 60s, the head of their movement, Maharishi, Mahesh Yogi, uh, you know the the guru connected with the Beatles um, in the '60s, famous you know from from that connection. Uh, he had this intuition that, or, or insight that, if one uh, percent of any given population were engaged in meditation and specifically um, transcendental meditation, uh, practicing that on a regular basis that that would be the significant threshold where beyond that you would start to see improvements statistically, uh, you know, measurable improvements in social harmony in that whole population. Uh, Tell us again how many? It's 1% of any given population. 1%? Uh, yes. Uh, and so in the early 70s, they started to do research on this. They looked at uh, eight different cities in the United States where the population of those cities had crossed the the threshold of 1% of people were uh, trained and practicing TM meditation. And they looked at um, the crime rates in those cities compared with crime rates in eight other control cities where they did not pass that 1% threshold. And what they found was that in the in the control cities, the crime rates uh, steadily increased in accord with the, the national trend of going up by a certain percent. And in the one um, percent cities, uh, the crime rate went down by about ten percent. Um, they they did a follow up study where they added uh, they looked at thirteen cities, 
they added more controls, they, they controlled for other factors known to influence crime. It was really quite a rigorous uh, study, and they, that, that study reinforced the findings in the, in the uh, experimental cities, the crime rates went down, the control cities, the crime rates went up. Uh, they've now, um, there was an important development in the late 70s where um, they were doing a study in Rhode Island and what happened was um, they had a bunch of uh, teachers all staying together in one uh, hotel um, and they sort of stumbled into this finding that when you have a lot of people meditating in one place like on a meditation retreat that the effect is even much more amplified so when you have people just distributed, say, throughout a city, doing it in their own homes, that's one thing. But if they're all together, it creates a more powerful field. Um, and so they change the formula. So if you have everyone together in one place, the formula becomes you only need the square root of 1% of any given population to affect change. Um, and uh, they tested that hypothesis, and they've now tested that hypothesis uh, dozens and dozens of times. I think there are now over 50 studies. Um, and many of these have been published in very credible peer-reviewed journals. Um, Yale's Journal of Conflict Resolution published a major study on this. Um, the statistics have been triple-checked by you know, independent reviewers, and it really stands up to, to research. Um, I want to let me interject here. Yeah. So um, we're broadcasting this from Mendocino County uh, in Northern California, which has yeah. a population of approximately 80,000 people. Yeah. Uh, the 1% of 80,000 people uh, is 80 people. And if the square root uh, of that would be something like... Uh, Nine, uh -huh. right? Nine yeah. times nine is 81. 81 is 1% of 80,000. Mm -hmm. So this indicates, for those listening here in Mendocino County, that if you get together with nine other people, be conservative and have a group of 10, and follow what Dr. Nichols is going to, Nickel, excuse me, I added an S to your name, uh, is going to tell us about how to do this today, there is a likelihood that you are going to have an effect that goes beyond the 10 people who are practicing this meditative tactic. Do I have that right, David? You do. It's a, it's a very you know, fascinating uh, piece of information to know in, in precisely that respect. Extraordinary. I mean, yeah. in the village of Mendocino, for example, there are 1,000 people. So your square root of the 1%, you, you could get four people together in a room and affect yeah. the entire village. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I remember doing this for the entire Bay Area. I think the, the figure is something like 230 or something that, that could affect the 8 million or so people in the Bay Area. And um, yeah, so it's, it's it, it, what it does is it, is it creates a sense that you know it's it's attainable. Uh, we we don't necessarily have to make everyone practicing meditation, or you know we don't have to convert the whole world into this perspective. But those of us who are called to this sort of approach, when we gather together in in coherence and in and in those those numbers, that we really can make a significant uh, shift. 
The voice you're listening to is Dr. Dave Nickel. He's talking about his recent book, Subtle Activism, The Inner Dimension of Social and Planetary Transformation. We're here on Mind, Body, Health, and Politics. I'm your host, Dr. Richard Miller. Please continue listening as we talk with Dr. Nickel about meditation tactics which go beyond our inner selves and actually have an effect out in the community. Where are you headed with this, Dave? Well, there's a whole project that we've been working on since 2006, uh, the Gaia Field Project. Um, that term is about this vision of um, you know, Gaia Field as this uh, emerging sort of layer of consciousness, if you like, around the planet. Um, it's analogous to, you know, people talk about the, the biosphere and the geosphere and People might be familiar with the concept of the noosphere, which is the, the sort of the thinking layer um, around the planet that Thea uh, Dachardin uh, coined. Um, well, the Gaia field is somewhat connected to that, but it's specifically this idea that um, all those people who are engaged in some form of spiritual practice, uh, especially when you really connect with a sense of unity consciousness, um, that we are actually involved in co-creating this greater field that of you know support of presence uh, that can play a significant role in um, helping our collective make this transition, make this initiation. It feels like we're going through, uh, you know, into a higher stage of evolution. Um, and so our project, the Guyfield Project, is being in service to. You know that that vision, that big vision. Uh, we've been engaged in. I say we, me, and my colleagues in that project are being engaged in, sort of building the foundations of this whole field of subtle activism. Part of that was my book, but we've also we have uh, formed many relationships with uh, leaders in the field, others who are sharing this, you know, similar vision, working on similar things. Uh, doing many experimental projects to learn about this, how actually to engage in this um, art or, and, and science of subtle activism, uh, how to use the technologies, you know, so many emerging technologies now that can enable us to connect in very meaningful ways in these sorts of global meditation practices. Um, and so, uh, you know, in many ways it's been following this organic thread, this very organic project, um, and, um, you know, I'm now teaching classes and we have an, an online community uh, called the Guyfield Community of people who are doing this on a regular basis, uh, you, you know, people from all different parts of the world, more and more engaging in regular practices to help, in a sense, feed this field. Um, this, this field guide. that you're talking about, this Gaia field, mm. in your book, you talk about a concept called Gaia Field Attunement, and I'd appreciate it if you'd explain to our listeners what a Gaia Field Attunement is. Mm -hmm. This is the core practice that has emerged in my work. Uh, we have a Gaia Field Wisdom Council uh, that meets every Friday. It has done so since 2008. And in, in that time, we experimented with various forms of subtle activism practice. And 
this form emerge for us that we call Gaia Field Attunement. Uh, and it's, it's, a, it's a simple practice to set a stable, sacred space where we, we connect with ourselves in a deep way. We connect with the earth in a very deep way, listening to the earth, connecting to the cosmos, connecting to each other as a group field, um, opening to support from the natural world, from the from subtle the subtle world, um, and it's really a, a step-by-step way to create a space, a deep, deep, uh, coherent space, and then we bring in something from the collective. Uh, it might be a political event, it might be say a big election, it might be something going on like we did the climate change conference, um, and we hold that in this deep, coherent field together and just listen for guidance. Um, and it's like a collective contemplation about that situation. And it's really remarkable what comes up in the field in terms of um, revelations or insights, deeper wisdom about that situation that goes beyond the normal you know, surface-level reactions that we tend to have or opinions that you know, are more superficial in a sense this this is like creating a space for deeper wisdom to arise that is inherently healing in some way that connects us reconnects us to the whole um and people find it usually very satisfying to be able to bring that depth into connection with these events of the world that you know normally just create a lot of agitation and and you know that sort of reactivity in ourselves David, I'd like to uh, put out a couple of uh, of, uh, of issues that uh, we're dealing with in our lives uh, here in Mendocino County. Uh, I think people are dealing with the same issues all over the country, but I'm going to use our, our little community as an example and ask you if, if some of these issues might be amenable to a Gaia field attunement. And, and So, for example... Um, we have single moms who are raising one, two, three children, often by themselves. Uh, I gave the example early in, in the program of my cousin uh, traveling with triplets, uh, though she ha- fortunately she has a, a man at home, just uh, John, who didn't come with us today. Uh, but many women, as you well know, are raising these, they're divorced and they're raising these children pretty much themselves. Maybe dad helps out, hopefully, but basically they're doing this job. Is there some, could we do a a little example of what you're talking about with our listeners right now towards some kind of positive energy towards these women who are doing this enormous job by themselves? Uh, Sure. You want me to actually guide a practice? I would. I'd like you to, if, if you think this is a worthy topic, if there's another topic we could do that on air that might be more amenable, I'm fine with that as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've yeah. got a lot of homeless in the county, and we certainly could do a, a, a meditation on them, and then they're very much in need. We've got yeah. a million and a half homeless in this country. Yeah. Yeah, I, either one. I mean, we can apply subtle activism to any issue, really. Well, let's start with the single moms who yeah. are raising children. Yeah. Okay. So if uh, those who are listening, um, how much time would you like me to spend on this? Well, uh, we've got 15 minutes. Huh. Okay. Well, um, okay. So let's, let's do it. Okay. Uh, that would be great. 
so wherever you are, if you're in a safe place to do so, I just invite you to close your eyes and just take a moment to give yourself the gift of just settling here into the present moment. Oh, one caveat, if you're listening yeah. to this in your car, kindly either don't do the exercise or pull over to the side. We're certainly not asking those of you driving to close your eyes, and I need to be careful of that. That's right. So you're in a safe place, then closing your eyes and just just relaxing, just resting, just allowing yourself to settle, to arrive more fully here, invite you to greet whatever's in your awareness, whatever feelings or sensations are here right now, to let them be just as they are. Not needing to change your state in any way, to get anywhere, to achieve anything, just allowing your experience to be just as it is. Invite you to take a moment to bring your awareness to your heart center, breathing in and out of your heart, just remembering your heart. Gently activating your heart with your breath and your awareness. And then bringing your awareness down now into your legs and feet and just sensing the contact that you make with the ground, with the earth. feeling the support of the earth beneath you. I invite you just to start to bring to your awareness this vast living presence of the earth as a source of life, a source of support. From this place of feeling grounded on the earth, please open to the light from the sun, the stars, just receiving that light into your body, into your being, letting it warm you, cleansing you with its brilliance, its radiance. invite you to be here as your very deepest, very highest self. And then please now invite you just to extend your awareness to everyone who is listening right now, everyone who's part of this practice. Maybe there will be others who listen if they can access this later via recording, but tuning in now to those who are here, just intuitively sensing each other, our presence, and 
our shared presence, sensing a group field forming just by us being aware of each other and coming into this space with a shared intention of bringing a deeper awareness and some healing to this issue, the situation with single moms. So sensing this group field, and let's open to call in support from the natural world, from minerals, plants, the animals, feeling ourselves permeable to their life-giving energy, natural wisdom. Opening together to the great mystery of this existence. Creative source of, of all. So in this deep place, this silent place, I invite you to bring your awareness back to our group field now, imagining as if we're in a circle, and to please bring into your awareness at the center of this circle, imagining these single moms throughout Mendocino County, this challenge this this the dilemma of this situation, the challenge of the situation, the strain, the uh, just all aspects of their situation, sometimes isolated, sometimes overwhelmed, just starting to tune in to this issue. I invite you to connect with your compassion and just allowing it to flow to these women, their children. I invite you to let whatever associations, whatever surface opinions, thoughts you may have about this issue, just sort of noticing that but staying with this issue in a fresh way and just in this moment, sensing from our depths. Encountering this, being willing to be surprised by what we might discover as we just sit with this issue and be in a place of contemplation together, silence, uh, letting, allowing deeper wisdom or insight to arise. And at the same time, on a very deep level, offering our real support for these women. Helping them on a deep level feel not alone.
helping them feel connected to a bigger network of support. Just keeping your awareness in the center of our field with these, this, we might have, there might be an image of one mom who represents all the moms. Noticing what flows spontaneously from you to that person. What wants to come forward from the depth of your being in terms of support, love, compassion, strength. Having a sense that in this very moment, all the single moms throughout the county on a deep level are sensing our support, our connection. Whether they're fully conscious of it or not, on a deep level, those who are open to receiving it can receive our love, our support. and know that they're not alone. And know that we are creating an opening for creative ideas, creative solutions to flow in. new possibilities. Fresh solutions. Arising from this perspective that we are all connected. Okay, gently starting to let go of this meditation, bringing your awareness back to your own body, feeling your feet on the ground, becoming aware of your location in 3D reality, Reconnecting with your sovereignty as an individual. Getting ready to open your eyes, knowing you can bring with you some of that depth, some of that presence that we experienced in the practice. So, that's just a little taste, Richard. Um, Thank you, David. Thank you very much. And those that's something new. We've never done 
anything quite like this on the program before, and I think subtle activism is perfect for doing it on the radio because so many of us can join in together. And for those of you who are listening, who participated, please make subtle activism and make single moms a topic of your conversation today when you go around in the world. Tell them what you did on this radio program. Tell them that single moms were the focus of the meditation. And if you know some single moms, talk to them about it as well. We'll see what comes of this creative things that can come out of just the fact that so many of us are doing what Dave led us into. A group concentration, it's called meditation. You felt what it was like as you let this topic into your consciousness. And by the way, if you go on the website, as I just did, Amplifield, Amplifield, I discovered right in front of me now, There is a group meditation that Dave Nickel is going to be leading, it looks like, for the whole country, if not the world, in 16 days, 23 hours, 7 minutes, and 40 seconds. It tells you by the second how close we're getting. Dave, tell us something about what you're doing in 16 days, 23 hours, 7 minutes, and 32 seconds. You know, Richard, in all honesty, I don't know what that's about. Well, it says here that Dave Nickel is going to be doing the subtle effect. Subtle oh, activism, the subtle effect. Yeah. You're going to be that, right. Pod, okay, right. So that's a podcast that I did with uh, a, a woman who um, does her podcast via the Amplifield. So that's um, we had a great conversation about about subtle activism. So that's that's more of a subtle activism conversation. Um, but uh, we are doing, you know, if people do want to go more deeply into these practices, um, I mean, every, about five. Six times a year, we do a, uh, a live online class where we do a seven-step series to really build the group field very deeply. Um, and we also, if people go to GaiaField.net, also see you know, we do regular free public events. We do an event on the full moon every month, an event on the first of each month. Um, so there are. There are ways there at GaiaField.net to connect more with these sorts of uh, offerings and practices. Okay, I want you all to know that I went on and I signed in uh, for the event that Dave is leading on the 25th of August, which is 16 days away, and there's the little dot that he talked about on the map of the United States. There's a little dot of me right here in, in, uh, in Mendocino, California, and I guess when all of you sign up as well, when you look at the map, you'll be able to see all the little dots that Dave talked about of other people who are joining in. Correct, Dave? Correct, yeah. It's a very you know, simple but very moving experience when you have an event and you see hundreds of people around the world uh, you know, as little dots on the map, and, and you, can, you can talk to each other, so to speak. You can put in a, a prayer or intention and it goes out into the field, and you can you can click on other other people's prayers to amplify them, and there's this really cool interactivity that happens. It's a it's a really nice way of experiencing a planetary field. And where would you direct uh, those listeners of ours to go to if they want to get involved with this on a more regular basis and be part of uh, group meditations? for a social yeah. transformation of our world. Yeah, they would go to GaiaField.net. The Gaia, uh-huh. And 
there are a number of resources there. There's our, our mailing list. We have a, a digital online course, which is a good place for people to start. Uh, there are these live um, Guyfield Synergy classes, we call them, which, uh, which really go in depth to creating a very, very coherent group field. Um, <clears throat> and then there are also free public events on the first of each month and on the full moon of each month. So it's all at Guyfield.net. It's all at GaiaField.net. And you said that there are some events that are going on on a regular basis, once a month, more often than that, for particular purposes. We're coming to the end of our time. Give us a few examples that we can take with us of some of the topics that you're proposing that are going to be meditated on on a larger scale in time to come. Mm -hmm. What are you addressing, David? Yeah, well... For example, on the on the full moon call, we partner with a project called the Earth Treasure Vase Global Healing Project, um, which is a, a beautiful subtle activism project. And communities all around the world have gone through these ceremonies to bless these little clay vases with prayers and sacred offerings, and then they're buried in the earth. And they've, this has happened over the last 25 years. So there's this global network of communities that have been connected to this practice and on the full moon we come together to link all these vases together and one vase recently was just buried in alaska by a man who is very um at the forefront of climate change research um and he his particular vase was dedicated to supporting um you know a breakthrough in human consciousness in relation to climate change. So uh, next, uh, I think it's next month, he's going to come back on the program to, um, you know, to talk about his journey and we'll do another practice that will be for that purpose. What's his name? What's his name? His name is slipping my mind right now. Uh, um, I'm sorry, I can't think of his name right now. But okay, fair enough. Yeah. Well, Dave, I want to thank you very much for coming on to Mind, Body, Health, and Politics and bringing us your book, Subtle Activism. I'll say it again, Subtle Activism. You're going to want to get that book. It's published by the State University of New York. I'm sure you can find it on Amazon. Subtle Activism, The Inner Dimension of Social and Planetary Transformation. And I think the thing I'd like to leave you listeners with the most today is the understanding from Dr. Dave Nickel that it's the square root of 1% of your population that can make a difference. So if you're in a city with 5,000, remember, 10% is 500, 1% is 50, the square root of 50 is roughly 7. You get together with 8 people and you can affect 5,000 people. Do the math on larger cities and get together with your friends, get Dave Nichols' book, Subtle Activism, and be able to do transformative work by getting together with friends, family, and relatives. Thank you again for being on the program. Dave, I... Thank you, Richard. It was great. I really enjoyed that. I'm glad you did. We'll have you back in the future because we're going to want to know, we're going to have updates on the effects of subtle activism around the country and around the world. And thank you all, dear gentle listeners, for joining us today. I hope you've enjoyed the program. 
Remember my book, Psychedelic Science. You can find it on Amazon. We'll see you again in exactly two weeks, 9 o'clock Pacific Daylight Time. Until then, this is Dr. Richard Miller reminding you that good health is worth working hard for, and it's essential for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Mm -hmm. 